Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to focus all of my attention today on our very brief but very significant second reading. Taken from the 14th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. So we're toward the end of Romans. Romans has 16 chapters. So we're in chapter 14. And in this letter, which is filled with pithy, memorable passages, it's really Paul's classic statement, this is one of the pithiest and most memorable, I think, in the whole letter. Here's what Paul says. Brothers and sisters, none of us lives for oneself. And no one dies for oneself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. I'd invite you some point this, um, this week, take out your Bible. Turn to chapter 14 of letter, the Paul to the Romans. Find this little passage. Spend a good amount of time meditating on it. None of us lives for oneself. No one dies for oneself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. You know, first of all, it's a, it's a variation on a, a typical greeting of Paul when he's addressing his letters. He'll say, Paul, a doulos Christu Jesu. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. And mind you, at a time when people knew precisely what slavery meant, this was no abstraction. We might speak abstractly about being a slave. They knew what being a slave meant. Being the property of another. Belonging to another utterly. Doing exactly what the other person bids. And that's what he's saying. I'm, I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. My life is not mine. Another way that, that Paul put it, memorably, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I think those are all functionally equivalent statements. You know, Father Richard Rohr has done a good deal of work on the initiation rituals of primal peoples. And I've, I've spoken and written about this before. He's examined these practices found all over the world in a variety of cultures, whereby a young boy becomes a man. They almost, they're, they're cultural you know, variations, of course, but they almost always involve some ripping away of a child from the comforts of home usually a scarification of some kind, right? a cutting of the, of the cheek or a knocking out of a tooth or something, a forced confrontation with the indifferent powers of nature, and go, survive in the jungle or in the tundra, whatever. And they culminate in an encounter with the sacred. So Rohr has summed up the lessons of this initiation process in a number of formulas. Let me just read them to you. It's tremendous relevance, I think, to what Paul's talking about. Here's how Richard Rohr sums up what these initiation rituals were meant to inculcate in a young kid. First of all, life is hard. Secondly, you are not that important. 
Thirdly, you're not in control. Fourthly, you're going to die. And finally, your life is not about you. Life's hard. You're not that important. You're not in control. You're going to die. And your life is not about you. And each one of these, I think, is of signal importance. See, think for a moment of the contrast with childhood. A child is indeed led to believe that life is easy. Why? Because all his needs are taken care of. And again, I'm not complaining about it. No one is. That's the way it should be. A little baby, a little child, his needs are taken care of. A child is led to believe that he's of enormous importance because everyone seems to center around him and to do what he wants, right? A child, therefore, rather naturally thinks he's in control because he cries or screams and he gets what he wants. Even, even these big adults around him do his bidding. And, you know, unless the child is extremely precocious spiritually, no child thinks for a moment he's going to die. And as a result, every child pretty much thinks that his life is about him. Do you see how the initiation rituals were designed to address every one of these matters? They're meant to compel a young kid past these hang-ups and to get him to the point where he realizes that his life is not about him. You know, and here, I agree with uh, Father Rohr, too, when he says one of the major problems today is that we lack precisely these rituals of initiation for young people. An awful lot of young people, as a result, grow up. Never. <laughs> they remain fixed at a very primitive level of development, locked in a little narrow space of their own egos. Mind you, people that might be very successful in a worldly sense, but spiritually remain at the level of children. Now, I don't want to be picking too much on young people, but I'm reading right now this book uh, called iGen, you know, like iPhone and iPad. iGen, about the current generation coming of age, kids born between 1995 and 2012. And the author, it's a wonderful book, I'll say more about it later, but the author identifies one of the distinctive marks of this age cohort is a delaying of the maturation process. An aversion toward, and the kids use this term evidently, I never knew this, but adulting. <laughs> so they don't want to adult. They, they prefer to remain as children. That's one of the findings of this book. It's a, a postponement of growing up. Now, as Richard Rohr furthermore suggests, the ultimate goal of the initiation process, so you get, you know, you get scarified and you have to confront nature and you're, you're dragged out of the comforts of home, but the ultimate goal is an encounter with the power of God. If the family and the tribe and the nation, nature itself, all encompass and finally summon the responsibility of the ego, God is the ultimate context. God is the ultimate summons. We begin to live only in the measure that we discover what God wants us to do. See, and that's the goal of this initiation process. That's the goal of the maturation process. When you realize now in this fullest sense that your life is not about you, it's about God and God's purposes for you. That's why, you know, it's a commonplace to observe, but in the Bible, very often people receive a new name when they discover their mission. Right? Saul becomes Paul. Jacob becomes Israel. Abram becomes Abraham. When they discover their mission, because then 
and only then do they know truly who they are. So, as the book I was referencing suggests, in many ways, our culture today seems to be stuck in a stance of permanent adolescence. Look how many people today worry about safe spaces, right? I hear that all the time. People don't feel safe. They want a safe space if, if even an idea or an argument threatens them. How many people today are concerned about the violation of their rights and their prerogatives? How many people today are preoccupied with finding their way, defining themselves as they want, keeping others at bay? Does that sound familiar? I mean, it's in the news every day. But see, as a truly initiated adult knows, life is anything but safe. Right? If you want a permanent safe space, it means you're a child. That first truth that the initiation ritual is meant to inculcate, life is hard. It's not safe. Furthermore, a truly initiated adult knows, at the end of the day, that his personal rights and prerogatives aren't paramount. Now, I'm not, again, not bad-mouthing those, but they're not paramount, but rather the moral demands of those around you. Think here of the great work of Emmanuel Levinas, you know, the, the claim that the other has on you. That's when you come alive as a moral agent, not so much defending your prerogatives, but when the other makes this great claim on you. Finding your own way isn't the point, defining yourself any way you want. That's not the point. Rather, it's finding the treasure buried in the field, discovering the way that God wants to define you. And all this brings us back to Paul. None of us lives for himself. Right? 14th chapter, Paul to the Romans, our reading, second reading for today. That's functionally equivalent to saying your life is not about you. It's about God. It's about God's purpose for you. It's about being drawn out of your comfort zone, your safety, what do we call it, safe space, into the adventurous space of the divine mission. Think here of uh, the great Tolkien stories. You know, both Bilbo and Frodo are summoned by Gandalf to adventure. And they're summoned out of, and it's, it's wonderful, the movies depict it very well, that, that beautiful little shire where they live and those cozy little homes and everything is just neat and tidy and familiar and comfortable and warm and dry, right? And that's, that's a symbol of the safe space. But see, both Bilbo and later Frodo have to be summoned out of that safe space on adventure. They had to risk. They had to realize their lives were not about them. Next, Paul says, no one dies for himself. Extraordinary, isn't it? So, okay, we've been rehearsing no one lives for oneself. But now, no one even dies for oneself. You know, this is a, a little while ago, we were debating in California here about the euthanasia thing. And of, of course it passed, you know, to my great chagrin. But during that campaign, I saw a big billboard. I was driving around and it said this, my life, my death, my choice. Now, there's modernity in a nutshell. There's your perpetual cultural adolescence in a nutshell. 
What Paul is telling us today is, in point of fact, it's not your life. It's not even your death. And it's not your choice. Why? Listen to him again. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I don't know a starker uh, display of the difference between a very modern and a very biblical perspective than that. And may I say as I close, that's the voice of a spiritual grown-up. And may God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.